eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Thursday, March 18th, and we thought it was coming. I thought it would happen. I wasn't sure when, but finally the IRS cried uncle. Yep, the IRS has delayed tax filing deadline by a little more than a month from April 15th to May 17th. They couldn't do the 15th of May because it's a Saturday. So that's number one. All right. So I don't know if it's going to happen again. A lot of people have already asked me that, but let's presume May 17th. That's our date. Considering that 85% of people are due refunds, get it going. Just get it going as as, as quickly as you possibly can. But obviously, between distribution of checks, stimulus payments, adjusting software, et cetera, the IRS couldn't do it. And I don't know why they waited so long, but just saying it's there. May 17th, circle it on your calendars. And that just means we can talk about taxes for an extra month. How much fun is that? All right, on with the podcast. Jax says uh, that I wrote in five years ago. And at the time I was asking about investing a windfall that I had received, I was in my late 20s, a guy with a young family. I wanted to be make I wanted to make sure I was making the best choices for us. This time around, I'm wondering if I should keep investing in index funds, which have basically doubled in value since I started investing. Wow. Or should I maybe start saving extra savings into exchange traded funds? Eh. I'm really agnostic about this. I tell you what, I think There is no reason to move to exchange-traded funds. 
Let me just say that. There's really not a tax implication either. So exchange traded funds are, you know, if you're using index exchange traded funds, it's the same as regular index funds. There's no particular reason for you to be moving to one versus the other. Usually the reason why you would use an exchange traded fund is because you want to start trading intraday. I know you don't want to do that because I would be very unhappy with you. Uh, It's not necessary. And especially if you're going to put new money to work, you're going to put small dollars to work ongoing, then I don't know why you'd need an exchange traded fund. I don't know. Maybe it's messing with success. So mm -mm, stick with what you got. All right. Scott is says, thanks in advance for taking a look at my situation. Okay. I've been frozen on what to do about saving for retirement for most of my life. I've been starting over the last few years to get more serious. It still makes me nervous. It's not the fear of loss through bad investments, more fear of making the wrong choice. So doing nothing becomes my choice. I get that. Come on. That is so common. We all get frozen at times. I totally understand that. Scott says he's 54. He's divorced. He doesn't have kids. He's got 35 grand in in an emergency reserve fund. He rents and he has no desire to own. Good. Monthly expenses, 4,500 to five grand a month. Uh, His income, 93,000. Gets increases every year. Just when inflation increases. He has a traditional 401k with $90,000 with a former employer. Current employment is a municipality. I'm putting 12% into what looks to me like a pension fund. And the employer matches 6.2%. So that's good. He's got 19 grand in there. City doesn't pay into social security. And this plan is a social security replacement. Okay. But then he also has 29 years in social security system. He'll get about 2,400 bucks a month. Um, And then he'll have a year of the windfall elimination provision. I didn't plan well. I was fortunate to find good employment with a pension. First pension, 70 a month. Second, 1,500 a month. Third, 3,200 a month. That's awesome. Should I take all my deductions and get one more year gainfully employed for my hobby business? Yeah, why not? I mean, we want you to bunch your deductions into a year. Should I, with my annual raises, increase my contribution to the retirement plan? Yes, you should. Then he wants to know, should he participate in a deferred compensation plan? Yes, you should. So you should basically take any money that you've got to free up the money and you've got to say, how much money can I put into the pension? And then some money into the deferred comp also. He's going to get 50 or 60 grand in cash from an inheritance, another 20 grand in retirement accounts. I'm thinking of using cash to pay for my own long-term care. No, don't do that. There's no reason for you to get long-term care. You're single. Why would you do that? You're going to, you have pension income. You can pay for care with that. You don't need to do that. So generally speaking, I see all this stuff that's happening in your life. So let me just give you a big picture. The big picture is no, when you get this inheritance, you should not buy insurance. Um, You should not retire when you're 62. You should try to retire probably when you're 65. If you can hold off on taking Social Security at age 70. The money that you have in these retirement accounts um, that are inherited, you're going to have to take distributions. He says, if I don't need the money, I would like to leave it to my nieces and nephews, give them a boost. Where should I put it? I mean, you can just Put it into a regular old brokerage account, or you can just add to your cash savings. And in your estate plan, you should make a note that you want to leave some money to your 
um, nieces and nephews. He says, thanks so much. Just writing this down in this email, I don't feel so bad about my retirement. You shouldn't. You're not in bad shape. You're in fine shape. You know, you don't have to make yourself nuts either. You know, you really don't. And you, you've got pension income. That's great. And if you're uncomfortable with investing, um, you know, you do a little bit at a time. But I think you're in pretty good shape. And delay retiring as long as you can and delay taking Social Security as long as you can. John is interested in doing Roth conversions. I don't have extra funds to support the tax bill that will be due. Does it make sense to take taxes out of the proceeds from the rollover and end up with less money? No. Isn't that an easy one? Thanks, Mark. That was an easy one for me. God, it's hard to read all these sometimes. So no, you don't do that. You can't do that. Hal is uh, writing, he says, the subject, funding long-term care. I appreciate your podcast and the education to the masses. Here's the situation question. I'm 65. I'm not working. I'm going to delay Social Security. I'll take it at 70. Very good. Wife is 56, not working. She's going to take Social Security at 62. He's got a military pension and they've got 900 grand in Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, a variable annuity, and a brokerage account. We're comfortable with where we are on the road to retirement, except for long-term care. Your thoughts on whether we should or could plan for funding long-term care with equity in our house. Eventually, it will be uh, $650,000 when the mortgage is paid off. If one of us were to need long-term care, the other spouse could downsize or get an apartment or use a reverse mortgage. Your thoughts, advice? Thanks for all you do. You're welcome. <sighs> I mean, it's not a terrible plan. You can probably do that. However, if you want to, just for the heck of it, maybe take a look at that variable annuity and see whether there's some way to convert that into an insurance product that would give you some long-term care coverage. Maybe that's a possibility. But I mean, a reverse mortgage can be really easy to do um, and it's getting easier and easier. The downsizing, I don't know, I always hate to do that like, oh, you're at this very fragile moment in your life and now you're going to force a downsize. Let's look into long-term care options, maybe not even for everything, but for some portion. It's just that you're in that weird category of just about on the cusp of being able to manage paying for long-term care out of your assets, but you're not quite there. And since if you were single, I'd say don't do it, but you're married. So maybe let's look into it. It's, but again, if you're both willing to really say, okay, we would sell, I'd sell, I'd move, it's fine, or do a reverse mortgage, I'm okay with that. It's just, it puts a lot of pressure on somebody who's got to make a tough decision at an emotional time. Okay. Rick is 62 and a half years old top tax bracket, small business owner. My wife and I max out our IRAs each year. Well, if you're in the top tax bracket, you're maxing out non-deductible. Is that what you're doing? The problem is you can't do a Roth and you have these IRAs. <laughs> so, and you can't do a backdoor Roth because of the IRA money that exists. Maybe you could do a solo 401k, but I don't know. Small business is 62 and a half to start now. Probably not, but you know, I'm willing to entertain. Yeah, I mean, like you could do a conversion. It's a lot of work and I'm not sure, like, I don't know how much money you have already saved, but if you've been in the top tax bracket for a long time and you've saved a bunch of money, I don't know. I just don't think it's going to work. Give us more details. Maybe we feel differently. Hey, Mark, 
It's another show in the can. The 18th of March is now done. Start your 18th of March on a good foot. You can wash your hands. You can wear your masks. You can maintain your physical distancing. And you can put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. That would be nice for you to do. Do that. Okay. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 